Welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast with me, Maya Fisher-French. And with me, Mapalomaku. Each week, we'll be discussing the stories we're working on and which you can read more about in the City Press. On this week's podcast, we invited independent financial advisor, Marcus Boridel, to join us. So welcome, Marcus, onto the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, Mapolo, um, you and I write and we talk a lot about life insurance. I think it's been a topic we've covered quite a bit. But one of the things we find is that it's really difficult to understand all the different types of cover and when they actually pay out. And quite frankly, whether you actually need all of them. I mean, you know, I've had this discussion. So I had a really interesting conversation with Marcus a couple of weeks ago about a personal experience as a financial advisor, personal experience he went through claiming from his own cover. And I wanted to share that with our listeners today. You know what, Maya? I am looking forward to this conversation because insurance, <laughs> we all know that it is a crash purchase. No one wants it. And it's the first line item to go in your budget when you are looking at your budget and saying, you know what, things are tight. It's the first thing to go. So I am so excited to hear from Marcus from his personal experience, especially the fact that he's a financial advisor, I think is the cherry, cherry on top. So I have to confess to be transparent. Um, Marcus is actually my financial advisor. Mapala, you were commenting, you didn't know that I would need one, but <laughs> I do. <laughs> Even Maya needs a financial advisor, guys. So you need to get yourself one as well. <laughs> so Marcus is my financial advisor. And I, I met him a couple of um, a weeks ago, like a few months ago. I met him for our annual review. And I discovered that he'd been really ill. And he actually lost a kidney. So I thought, well, hold on a second. I said, Marcus, you are the expert. You have all this cover that you tell me I must have. Did it actually work for you? So we landed up, of course, I mean, poor Marcus didn't know that was the conversation he's going to have when he met me for a review, but he now had to justify his insurances and how they paid out. So Marcus, maybe I'm going to hand over to you to tell us a little bit about your experience um, and, and, and how all those little different pieces of, of, of insurance that you make me take out worked for you. Hi, thank you so much for the opportunity of uh, sharing my experience with, uh, with the listeners. Um, I think the point is, you know, ultimately, as Mapala pointed out earlier, that um, you only realize the cover that you need, you know, once you actually need it. Um, it's probably the proverbial, you know, parachute uh, concept, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you never need the parachute until your, your plane goes down. And probably the best way of actually finding out how well cover works, like with anything in life, is, is once you, you really need it. Um, and, uh, you know, the discussion that I have with clients every single day is, you know, do I really need this cover and why do I have critical illness cover or, you know, why do I have life cover, etc. And more specifically looking at the individual types of cover, um, there's, there's quite a large spectrum to look at and, and the big differentiators. Um, so maybe to share with you briefly my experience, I went for a checkup about uh, six months ago just for, for an annual checkup. Um, Nothing particularly wrong, um, and uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, they detected a, a big mass on my kidney. Um, at the time, they were unaware of whether it could be cancerous or not, um, but uh, there's a lot of things that go through your heads at, the, at that stage, you know, it's, all of a sudden you realize that possibly, you know, your, your time might be limited. And um, anyway, they sent me for a whole batch of tests. Um, and to cut a long story short, they, um, they, uh, they referred me to a specialist who then subsequently decided to operate like three weeks later. 
Um, I was very, very fortunate that um, the outcome was, was positive in the sense that uh, there was no cancer, so the, the growth was benign. Um, but nevertheless, the, the long and short of it is that I'm one kidney down. So um, I unfortunately lost the kidney in the process. Fortunately, my life is pretty much back to normal um, in the sense that my life carries on you know, as normal. But having said that, you know, the outcome could have been very, very different. Um, you know, it could have been cancerous and um, also it caused certain interruptions in my lifestyle. Uh, both for my business as well as on the personal life, even for the period that I was operating. I was in, in hospital for, for basically a week and then basically off for about another three weeks. And especially if you're self-employed, you realize that, um, that ultimately, you know, you are your business. And if you're not putting time into your business, you know, your, your income suffers and, and, and you're unable to keep the whole pyramid going. So, um, Anyway, uh, to cut a long story short, uh, managed to get through that scenario. Um, but uh, as I said, ultimately the situation could have been quite different. And um, I was fortunate having, you know, taken care of my own financial situation, you know, in the past, um, that I had critical illness cover and income protection in place that uh, managed to, to kick in. And um, I think it's quite interesting to see how, how it does kick in and, um, you know, also seeing different, different types of cover from different insurers, how they essentially come to the table and, and how they deal with those claims. So, uh, you know, the, the, one of the factors is that I did have cover with two different insurers um, and I claimed from both insurers. It's quite relevant to note that you can claim from more, one ins from more than one insurance company if you have a claim. Um, it, uh, they both happen to pay out in, in very much the same way, um, but um, it can often happen that can be quite different in terms of how claims are being processed. I'm interested in that, Marcus. So I thought you couldn't, so, so was that on the critical illness or the income protection? Which one did you have dual cover? So I actually had income protection, a temporary income protection as well as permanent. So income protection, first of all, is, is split into two different categories. You have temporary, which is uh, essentially designed for situations that you can fully recover from and then you have permanent income protection which is seen um, as something that's permanent that you can't recover from um, so i had a combination of the two as well as on top of that i had severe illness or what you call critical illness cover um, they both pay out in a different fashion um, so if you have a claim event they the insurance companies look at the actual event and then they see to what extent the claim benefits that you have to what extent they are triggered so typically speaking, an income protection claim is triggered in the event of you being unable to work and produce an income in the profession that you are underwritten for. So as a financial advisor and being self-employed, the fact is that I was unable to work for a period of longer than a month. I was basically booked off for nearly two, two months. Um, I was able to receive one month's worth of income. An income protector typically pays off the duration that you can't work, and then once you're in a position to go back to work, the income benefit ceases. Um, if it had been something of a more serious nature, let's say it could have been, let's say, permanent, then the income protection pays out up until your your retirement age that you've selected for your for your product. It could be 60, 65. And that's where the real value comes in if, um, if it's obviously something more severe that it allows you to maintain your standard of living, you know, for many years to come. 
the critical illness cover is paid again once slightly differently. Um, that basically pays out on the diagnosis or on the occurrence of an event. So the fact that I had a what you call a nephrectomy, which is a kidney removal, basically triggered automatically a severity for a claim uh, that allowed me to get a 50% payout. So um, important to note that the the critical illness benefits that are available in the market are generally severity based, and they pay out according to the severity. So if you're dealing with cancer, for example, if you have stage one cancer, it's typically 25%, uh, going up to full 100% for stage four. Um, but having said that, again, there are different products out there that that's, uh, also provide upgrades, um, give you access to the or for capital already at an earlier stage. But was, I was very, very fortunate to be in a position that um, uh, I was able to continue paying my bills, you know, that, that unfortunately don't stop when you have an illness. Um, and uh, still had a capital lump sum that, that gave me additional financial freedom to, you know, to make certain choices. Um, you know, it takes off a lot of pressure. You know, ultimately, you know, if, you, if you're faced with a situation like that, um, you know, as much as people think you can carry on as normal, um, when your health it doesn't allow you to do so, um, things stop dramatically. I can imagine, Marcus, because I think when you find yourself in that situation, the last thing you need to be worried about is how do I pay my bills? So for me, when it comes to insurance, that's always <laughs> my reason for paying insurance. But now, we, you, you mentioned that you had two different insurers. Why did you have two different insurers? And... I mean, looking at the fact that you are a financial advisor, can't you just pick one company that sort of fits all your needs? I think you've, you've uh, highlighted a very important point here. Um, and that is that um, there's, I don't believe there's one product out there that is the best product in the marketplace. There are, there are different products out there. All, there can be many very good products. Um, but the way they they uh, they deal with potential claims can be quite different, especially when it comes to scenarios like severe illnesses or income protection claims. You can find that different insurers can pay out quite differently or deal with claims in a very different fashion. So my thinking in terms of having you know two products from two different companies also to some extent diversifies your risk or gives you increases your probability of a claim to some extent because unfortunately you only find out you know to what extent um, uh, these products cover you in the event of a claim because uh, it becomes incredibly technical uh, these, these products typically cover your entire body and um, it goes into a huge amount of detail there's a huge amount of medical jargon involved there that most uh, financial advisors most clients don't fully understand you you literally need a, a medical degree to understand a lot of the medical jargon. I mean, just taking something like a simple heart attack or, uh, or a stroke, um, it's not as simple as just having a stroke or a heart attack. They, you know, there are different degrees and severities, you know, whether it's elevation of heart enzymes or, you know, uh, you know, you know there's, there's certain criteria that have to be met. So um, ultimately, like I chose two particular companies that I have a lot of faith in um, and uh, they, they both paid out and, and, and they actually have both happened to pay out in very much the same fashion. But having said that, there could have been other scenarios where 
one company might have paid out more uh, than the other or possibly may have triggered a claim where the other one might not have triggered a claim. So Marcus, just to clarify, sorry, I want to ask you this. So when you said you go to two different companies, did you have critical illness cover with two different companies or was one company critical illness and the other income protection? Because as far as I'm aware, you can't all cover one event. So I can't take out maximum income protection twice. I can only insure one income. So you can have uh, cover with more than one company. Um, in terms of critical illness cover, there's, there's a general maximum of normally about five million in, in total. Um, in terms of, so which means that across all companies, they would typically look at, at the total cover amount. In terms of income protection, you can actually have cover with more than one company, provided that your that your total cover does not exceed your net after-tax income. That's the, gen, the general rule. So you could potentially split that income protection with, with more than one company. Although typically speaking, I wouldn't normally recommend splitting your income protector, but maybe more your critical illness cover. Um, because critical illness cover is triggered on certain defined clinical events. Um, so you'll find that some companies have, are more, more comprehensive in that regard, that they cover a larger range of definitions um, especially where you'll find a lot of differentiation occurring is at the bottom range of, of the critical illnesses. You know, your less severe type of events, things like minor strokes, minor heart attacks. Um, and a lot of companies, unfortunately, have things like survival periods that are built in, um, in which case you'll only be able to claim should you either survive a certain period or once you've been treated for a certain period of time, etc. You know, um, so... I do believe at the end of the day, when it comes to critical illness cover, number one, you, you want to be with a company that has got a, a good track record um, that also has got a very comprehensive list of, of, of illnesses. You want to look at things like uh, waiting periods, survival periods, those type of things are quite important. Mapolo, that's um, why I use a financial advisor. <laughs> And unfortunately, it becomes, it becomes very, actually very technical. And, you know, life cover is a fairly simple process. You know, people need life cover. It's a, it gets typically triggered, obviously, through death. Um, when it comes to illness cover or disability or income protection, there are a greater number of variables that, that kick in. And that's where uh, it is quite important to, to look at the finer details of the product. And uh, in certain cases, to to find the, the appropriate product for your specific needs. So now once again, it's not a matter of having one product that is, is, is the market leader or is it just, a, it's maybe more a question sometimes of what is the right product for me, given my circumstances, given my income needs, my family's needs, etc. Yeah. Marcus, you know what? This is not giving me any comfort at all. <laughs> it isn't because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, goodness, I only have um, life cover, trade disease, capital disability, income protection with one company, right? And to a large extent, I have done my uh, research. I used to work for the company. But if someone who is listening at home is our listener and they are trying to get the hang of this and they are saying, Marcus, a financial advisor, has two, is insured with two different companies. They are sitting there and they are thinking to themselves, number one, which company is the best one I should go to? But secondly, people's budgets are tight. So now you're splitting your income 
to two different insurers or maybe even three? How, how does a layman just kind of trickle down and say, okay, this is what I need and this is maybe the best insurance company for me to insure with? I know it's a tall order, but <laughs> if, if you can give us some guidance there. Yeah, so look, I think first of all, I mean, as you pointed out, one of the big issues is affordability. So um, it's also important to note that you also don't want to necessarily always be duplicating. doesn't necessarily mean you need three times the amount of cover. So you, when, once you've done a financial needs analysis and you've established how much cover you typically need, whether it's life cover or how much income protection you need, um, you, it's important to also ensure that, you, that you're not over-insuring yourself, you know, if you've got more than one company. But what sometimes happens is that you might find that one company might have a, a superior product on the critical illness side or a, a product that's specifically suitable for income protection for certain professions, for, for argument's sake. And that's where um, it could be useful to... Uh, to have more than one company. It doesn't have to be the general norm and it, it's not always necessary, you know, for someone to spread their um, their, their products across different companies. Um, but what I'm saying is that it, 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 uh, there, there can be certain advantages of actually creating a mix um, that meets individual needs. Uh, the, the important thing as well is to also identify what are the important um, areas that you want to cover, what are the risk areas that are most important um, and which ones are really a priority. Um, what I see all the time when I meet new clients for the first time, a lot of them are, are like totally overinsured on the life cover side. You know, the whole emphasis is always having as much life cover as possible. But um, if you think about it, your biggest risk or the most likely event is not dying, but actually, um, let's say, having a temporary, temporary illness, getting cancer, having a heart attack, you know, dealing with critical illnesses. Um, and that's where it's important to really focus, um, you know, on the the type of risk areas that are that are a big threat and which have major financial implications to your to your financial scenario. Um, so I think the focus shouldn't necessarily always be on, you know, for the sake of it, spreading your your risk amongst different companies. Um, the focus should probably be more on finding the right type of benefits, importantly enough, um, that meet your your financial needs. Um, and I think Marcus, is what you and I were chatting about this as well, is that certain companies, you know, you've got these companies that have um, very high, they, they use a lot of health rewards or, or health programs like Vitality or Multiply and that. And, you know, those products can really work for somebody who engages with them, but not necessarily if they don't engage with them. So it's also about you as a person and, and whether you're going to benefit from all those additional um, kind of products. Very much so. So, um you know, certain companies, uh, without mentioning any names, um, have obviously developed a, a particular uh, a, a concept that, that really ties in wellness behavior with their risk model, which actually is a, it's actually a fantastic concept um, because ultimately it means that, um, that policyholders are rewarded for, for healthy behavior. Um, so the concept behind that is absolutely fantastic, um, especially for healthy individuals that are, you know, um, exercising frequently, eating well, you know, following a, a healthy lifestyle. Um, but having said that, the important thing also to note is, is the, the requirement that these models have in proper engagement by, by, by policyholders. So you can have a fantastic concept in principle, um, but if you have a, 
a healthy individual that's not prepared to engage and, and do an element of admin, etc., to to unlock those value propositions, then it's questionable as well. Um, so you know, you'll find that a lot of these companies, um, or essentially uh, there are two that particularly come to mind. Um, <clears throat> they provide obviously significant value propositions to, to clients that do engage and that are healthy. The only thing to bear in mind is that there is um, a fair degree of cross-subsidization occurring as well for members that are not engaging, that are ultimately then paying indirectly a, a, higher, a higher premium than what they would probably normally be paying with other insurers. Um, so the value proposition is definitely there for people that engage but it's also a question of to what extent people are able to engage from the start, but also maintain it in the medium to long term. And unfortunately, one of the issues as well is that the, the targets that are set by a lot of these companies, unfortunately, are not set in stone. And it's, it's unfortunately, unfortunately it gets to the point where it becomes increasingly more difficult to actually achieve those targets. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's then subsequently a result in uh, higher uh, premium escalations, etc., the value proposition gets diluted. Mm. I know for sure I do not have the patience to do that kind of admin <laughs> at all. But Marcus, so I think let, let's take it back um, to disclosure or to underwriting rather. What is underwriting? Why is it important? And most importantly, should people go for companies that require underwriting from the get-go, or just say, you know what, we'll see later. I think maybe to address that particular question, firstly, there's generally two forms of underwriting. One is um, medical underwriting, the other is financial underwriting. And medical underwriting looks at your, at your health, so it requires a disclosure um, of your medical condition. So uh, insurance companies need to obviously assess the risk from, this, from the start. They need to establish um, what are the risks of insuring this individual. And the only way they can do that is through a medical process, which involves an application form where people have to, first of all, answer medical questions. And then on the basis of those medical questions, certain uh, tests or uh, requirements are set whether it's that people have to go for certain medical uh, examinations, blood tests, etc., or alternatively that certain reports are called from doctors. Um, once that information has been assessed, uh, then insurance company is able to make a decision on whether they grant the normal rates that have been quoted or alternatively if there's a loading or a possible exclusion. <clears throat> there's also financial underwriting, which basically looks at it from a, an insurable interest perspective where um, it needs to be demonstrated that there is a need for that particular cover and that there's potentially some form of financial loss that is resulting from, from um, that event. So to put it very, very simply, um, you wouldn't be able to insure anyone's life for 20 million rand, basically, uh, for obvious reasons. So whereas you'd be able to insure, let's say, a business partner or a spouse because uh, there is a financial implication if something happens to the the life assured but you need to also be able to quantify that as well um, but that's a completely different discussion I think just maybe coming back to underwriting the important thing is disclosure um, the very important point that I always 
stress with clients is the importance of being totally upfront with uh, with underwriting and um, providing you know the the right and 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 full disclosure as far as their health is concerned. Um, the problem in many cases that that clients sometimes have a selective memory or um, or forget certain things and don't always stipulate it. And then when it does come to a claim scenario, it could potentially result in non-payments as a result of the non-disclosure issue. And, you know, Marcus, I was just thinking about, there was momentum, I think, last year had that massive case um, where where they didn't want to pay out because the man had not disclosed his diabetes. And, in fact, I think people forgot that the year before, Old Mutual had a very, very similar one. And I, I do think it's so important. I know you. I'm, one, of, one of the products I use uh, that Marcus put me on is Bright Rock. They are, their underwriting is the biggest pain in the butt. I have to do, <laughs> you have to have all your bloods taken, this, that, the other, the whole thing, because, but I know at claim stage, there will be no questions. And I think that for me is, rather than being scared of disclosure, to me, I'm saying, here it all is. So I know that I'm A, paying the right premium, for, for what I'm getting. So what they may do is they may say, right, you know, we'll, we'll, we, we, we won't cover you for that, for that, uh, maybe say you're diabetic or we won't cover you for that, but we won't hike your premiums. At least you have awareness about it. But I just want to know that like Marcus, when my kidney's being removed or something, no one's going to start then blood tests and asking questions because I think that's what's given the industry such a bad name is this and I'm sorry but the same with the company I just mentioned if you're not doing those tests up front you can tell from a blood test whether someone's got elevated blood sugar so do the blood test um, and I do wonder sometimes there isn't that sort of like oh well you know we won't worry about it this stage is a cost to it etc etc so um I don't know Marcus I mean that to me is is actually quite critical the more underwriting they want possibly the better the company Absolutely. So uh, what you're saying is totally correct, Maya, that, um, you know, that taking BrightRock as an example, they are very, very stringent on the, on the, on the underwriting. Um, and probably one of the main reasons for that as well is the, um, is the fact that they cover so many different conditions. So um, I've been in, this, in discussions with underwriters on, on many occasions about um, exclusions that potentially are placing on, uh, on on clients' cover, and um, the bottom line here is the reason for the for the exclusions in many cases is the fact that they're covering uh, so many more conditions than other companies. So you might go to one company which gives you normal cover without any exclusions, and you go to Brightlock and you have an exclusion, and you ask yourself how come you know they're giving you an exclusion of the other company. And there's uh, there are two things to bear in mind: is one is that many companies. Um, even though you think you're getting full cover, has got certain exclusions that built into the contract for pre-existing conditions. So you can have various insurers that, for example, have um, outright exclusions for mental conditions or for back exclusions or et cetera. So you, when you're taking a, sometimes you take out cover with, with a certain insurer and you think you're fully covered, in the meantime, you know, the fine print mentions that, that it's not the case. I think one has to be particularly wary of um, of companies where no medical underwriting is required. Uh, um, every now and again, I get questions from clients and say, look, um, I can take cover through this company or that company, which basically doesn't have any medical underwriting. Why wouldn't I go to them? And the important thing there is that um, they, they generally would exclude uh, either natural causes or, or any form of pre-existing conditions. 
So, so coming back to to your, this the scenario with Brightrust, you know, ultimately the more information you can provide up front, and and, and the more you know, uh, typically how vigorous they are in the underwriting, the um, the more peace of mind one should typically have that, that you're going to be covered, you know, if there's a claim. You know, rather have an exclusion on your on your policy than than finding out later that you're not being paid for a particular area. Yeah. No, you know what? It really does sound complicated, especially for people who are not even in the industry. Like you mentioned, the biggest thing is life cover. You know, if you pass on, people get paid out. But now it gets a bit more technical. One thing, though, I did learn um, in the past couple of weeks is future cover. I know it is not the topic for the day, but I think it's very important for our younger listeners who are still healthy, who um, don't have any conditions. How does that work? I wish I knew about this when I was 25. I would have taken it out. <laughs> so things like future cover, um, essentially there are various um, enhancements of, or benefit features that are available on, on, on many products um, that allow you to, to take out cover in the future based on underwriting that takes place up front. So bearing in mind that um, people's financial needs do change over time. So as you pointed out, if you're a young professional, um, you don't have, you're not married, you don't have kids, you don't have a bond possibly, your need for life cover is, is probably negligible or, or zero. Um, however, you have a need for income protection or critical illness cover, etc. And as you get older and as you go through your different life stages, you're going to find that that need is going to, for life cover, is going to uh, establish um, as you start a family. So there are various ways that you, that you can provide for that by being underwritten up front um, that guarantees you a certain amount of cover in the future. I think one of the big things to point out maybe is that um, people tend to forget that um, that even though you might be granted cover today, you could potentially be declined cover when you want to increase it or enhance your benefits further down the line. So you can't be, um, your existing cover can't be removed or, <clears throat> or loaded if you've been granted normal rates. But if you should decide to increase your cover or add on various other components and your health has changed, then you could be in a situation where you have various difficulties. Um, but um, I think also another thing to point out is that there are different products that um, are specifically aimed for young individuals where there's maybe not a need for life cover, but for purely for income protection. Um, and ideally, you always want to focus on those areas that are really your high-risk areas you're, where you're financially exposed. You know, it makes no sense just having life cover for the sake of it um, unless there's a really a financial need for it. Um, rather put that money towards covering your income correctly or um, catching for, for illness benefits. One of the trends I'm seeing as well, Marcus, in the industry, and it's, you know, there's been a bit of innovation that we've seen, is um, needs matched insurance, I suppose. What a better word. So one of the things is, is for example, um, you know, I've got my children who I need to, to, to provide for now. And I mean, Marcus has structured my 
cover like this, but at the age of 20, when they're 25, they're no longer financial dependents. So it used to happen, you bought this massive amount of life cover for the rest of your life and you paid for it accordingly. Now you take it out and you say, I only need it for the next 10 years because then my children are no longer dependents. And your, I think my premium came down by about 30% when I restructured it like that. So I think that is also just a very important innovation that we're seeing in the industry is this kind of idea of only insure for those things that you need to insure for, for that yeah. period. Well, I'm, I'm particularly excited about that particular point that you mentioned, and I know that you are as well, and, and I think that's why you're a fan of, of, of certain companies for that reason. Um, and it's, it's, it's a certain trend, as you say, that, that has developed. Um, one company in particular has looked at um, <clears throat> that gap in the market where the traditional way of thinking is to have X amount of cover, call it life cover, for, that is basically funded for life. Um, which ultimately does not dynamically adjust as your needs change. So um, the concept that was really started by one company in particular was to, uh, was to define the need and to find cover that actually matches that need over the duration as the need changes as well. As you correctly said, that bargain is like you've got two kids that are you know, in their teens and you need to provide for them for the next say, 10 years until they hit university, um, let's call it for 10 years. Now you have then maybe another need that caters for the settlement of your bond, um, which might be over a period of 20 years. And then you have another need to cater for your medical needs or for the needs of your spouse, so maybe over 30 years. And what it typically happens with this type of cover is that then the, the, each, the, uh, the life cover is split into different components where once that need has actually been been addressed or once it falls away, that cover amount falls away automatically. So you don't end up with a whole lot of cover further down the line that you possibly don't need. It allows you therefore to actually get a whole lot more cover up front in the years where you most need it. Um, and with automatically then starts diminishing further down the line when, when your, your need for life cover possibly diminishes. Unfortunately, certain companies sort of force you to take life cover for longer than, than what, what I think is, is, is always required. Um, uh, that's hence why I, I like that concept, because it really allows you not only to, to optimize your cover, but also to, to place the premium into areas that are more important. So you often find um, that people with the traditional insurers are often underinsured because they can't afford the, the right amount of cover because that is funded for life. You essentially, if you're taking 10 million life cover, you essentially, um, you've actually been paying for that for the, for the full duration for your, for say, for 30 years. Uh, whereas in maybe 10 years time, there's no need for that 30 million, for that 10 million, you might only need 5 million or maybe no cover at all. Um, and importantly to, to note also with uh, this particular company that we're referring to, is that they, you can, you can take, you can fund your benefits over, different periods. So you can, for example, have your critical illness cover that's funded for life, and then you have your life cover that's funded over a shorter duration um, on the basis that your needs will essentially be, be dealt with quite differently. Great. Well, I think we're running out of time uh, now, so <laughs> we're going to have to wind up our, our discussion. But I mean, it's really, really been very interesting, uh, Himapolo. I mean, I, I just thought it was just worthwhile bringing Marcus on because of his experience um, and actually 
Plus, why do I have an advisor? Because I need someone, and I also I must say, an independent advisor who can look at all the products out there um, and, and actually see what works best for you. So I think that the, I want to say thank you, Mark, for coming on and, and uh, just sort of unpacking this for us. Thank you so much. And uh, maybe I just want to, in closing, just, just mention that, um, you know, first of all, you know, people need to be going for, for regular checkups. If I look at my own scenario, just I think highlights that as you get older, the importance of you know going for regular checks um i would rate myself as probably one of the healthier individuals um and yet uh, you're faced with an event like like i was faced with um and also the other point is that uh, in terms of looking at your your affairs make sure that you're getting a, an objective view from from you know getting exposure to different companies potentially and that you're aware of all the ins and outs so that's a wrap for today um, if our listeners would like to learn more about these or any money-related topics, they can go to the City Press website or to your website, womanandfinance.co.za, or my website, mayaonmoney.co.za. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a WhatsApp voice note to 064-554-3959. And we look forward to hearing from you. Because we want to know what it is that you want to know. You've been listening to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, featuring the contributors of the City Press personal finance pages. 